Good morning. Let's get straight to markets. Take a look at the impact for the indices. Factual. Succinct. All you need to know before your trading day starts. Subscribe to our newsletter, CNBC's Daily Open. Hello and welcome to Beyond the Valley, the podcast that explores the world of tech. I'm Tom Chitty and with me is CNBC senior tech correspondent Arjun Karpal. The internet is broken, at least that's the view of some coming out of Web Summit, the annual tech conference in Lisbon. The ongoing AI development race has added to the concerns around surveillance, the use of personal data and the weaponization of social media. It's led to calls for a new generation of the internet to be created, one in which people are the priority, not big tech. Beyond the Valley. Bon dia, Arjun. Como vai? Hello? Is that you, Tom? <laughs> I didn't know you were multilingual. That's fantastic. Uh, you know, it's Google Translate, you know. Have you heard of it? Um, yeah, um, I've I've used it a few times. So small. I, I've, spe- I've spent a fair bit of time in Portugal. So the uh, the Bondia Argent bit was, um, you know, off the cuff. But I did actually have to look up, how are you? Um, so that's a little bit depressing. But anyway, um, how's it going? Argent, just for our listeners, um, is in Lisbon still. But he is about to catch a flight, so we are squeezing in a podcast just before he rushes to the airport um, because you've spent, uh, what, three days, two and a half days at, at Web Summit? How's it, how's it been, been going? Yeah, been, been here. It's been good. Um, it's quieter than previous years, um, that's for sure. Um, there's, a, there's, there's still a buzz, though. Uh, and do you know what? The weather here is absolutely lovely. Um, it's nice to get out of wet and cold England for a bit. And of course, you know, I've been eating. Do you know what a Bifana is, Tom? A Bifana? Bifana, no. And I'm probably butchering the pronunciation here, but effectively it's a Portuguese pork sandwich. Um, and it's this sort of pork that's been sort of thinly sliced, marinated, uh, and sort of cooked for a bit, uh, and then this wonderful bit of bread. And. I've just been eating those every day. It's a new thing. Breakfast, lunch and dinner. More or less, yeah. And then obviously the 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 pastel de natas, the little custard tarts, which are fantastic. So lots to love about, about Portugal and, and Lisbon uh, from the culinary front. Good, good. Are you going to bring any of these culinary treats back? I mean, it, I imagine a pork sandwich is probably not going to travel very well. Yeah, I probably shouldn't. And I, I reckon, you know, the customs officers... Um, at Heathrow in London might also raise some eyebrows if I bought those back. Um, I will try to find a box of uh, the natas, though. Um, those, those are fantastic. Make sure to label a couple of those, that, you know, just for me. I'll, I'll bring them in. I'll bring them in. All right, good, good. Sounds Sounds good. Well, we're going to get into um, everything that's been happening at Web Summit this week. Um, but for our listeners, uh, of course, there are... Other tech stories that have happened over the last seven days. I 
advise you to head to cnbc.com to to find those. Um, But for this week, we are going to be covering all things Web Summit. And we're going to be taking a philosophical look at the internet. But before we get into that, we've got to hear Arjun's stat of the week. Arjun, have you got one? I have got one. Uh, the, The number for the stat of the week is 70,236. 70,236. Right. Okay. I'll mull over that. If I get this right, is that a hat trick? That is a hat trick, isn't it? Look at that. Love it. Love it. Um, Okay. But just to uh, remind our listeners uh, before we get into our main story that... uh, if you have any questions on what we've discussed this week or or you have questions on Web Summit or what is Web Summit or what Arjun has been up to in Lisbon, um, then email beyondthevalley at cnbc.com and we will answer those. Uh, back to our main story, though. Is the internet doing more harm than good? That's one of the questions being asked at Web Summit this year amid growing concerns around the use of our personal data and the role social media has played in sowing distrust. So, Arjun, why is this debate around the internet happening now, do you think? So I think a few things have have sort of happened over the past few years. I think uh, themes we've spoken about previously, the growing power of of some of the technology giants, um, I think has drawn scrutiny on their business models, their practices, and there's a wave of people in the industry, uh, in technology, who are fed up with the status quo of the internet. Um, they are fed up with the fact that companies collect vast amounts of data on users, um, and that effectively funds their business models. Uh, they're fed up with the fact that users don't have any control of the, over their data anymore. Um and they want to do something about it. And that's been a big theme here, really, um, at the Web Summit, amongst a lot of the conversations uh, I've been having. We spoke to some fascinating people over the past sort of couple of days. Um, and I just wanted to bring you uh, sort of some of the, that that action as we, as we go through this conversation, Tom. But one of the things I found was there seemed to be a current uh, or, or a theme that was brought up by everyone, and that was Elon Musk's takeover of Twitter. Uh, his, his massive acquisition of Twitter. And I think that for many was seen as a turning point somewhat. Elon Musk came in, he uh, made a bunch of cuts. There's question marks and criticisms over whether the platform is doing enough to fight harmful content uh, and to, uh, you know, and, and holding uh, their moderation standards high. So there's all these criticisms of the platform since Elon Musk t- took over. And actually, that's drawn a lot of criticism. So I'll, I'll just want to bring you uh, a few comments from, from some of the people I've been speaking to. The first one is, is Jimmy Wales. He's the founder of Wikipedia, the online encyclopedia. I'm sure uh, many of our listeners probably have used over the years, perhaps for school assignments or, or other things. Um, but he's currently in a bit of a spat with, with Elon Musk. Uh, but I asked him um, you know, what he thinks the takeover of Twitter by Elon Musk has done to the social media landscape. It's a huge problem. Um, And I think a a lot of people are fleeing Twitter. A lot of thoughtful and serious people are fleeing Twitter. I've launched uh, Trust Cafe, which is an alternative, um, which is still very much a pilot project, uh, trying to figure out how do we create a community of trustworthy people uh, who can then rate things and trust things and so forth. 
but I, I don't know if I've got the answers, but I'm trying. Uh, and I think, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a real problem. Uh, Twitter was, and now I guess X sort of is, in a way, the default public square for the world. And if it's being overrun by trolls and lunatics, it's not good for any of us. I just want to quickly flag that Arjun has written about this interview and has reached out to X for comment, but they have yet to get back to us. So some pretty uh, punchy words there from from Jimmy Wells. The second interesting set of comments uh, came from uh, a person called Frank McCourt. He used to own the LA Dodgers. Um, He now owns the Marseille soccer team. Uh, And he's the founder of something called Project Liberty. And we can go into uh, what they're all about and what they're doing shortly. But he also has some, some pretty interesting comments about his view right now of the internet and social media landscape. I think it's raised awareness that we that this it's broken, fundamentally broken, which is a good starting point because it, you need to see where see the problem before people are willing to to fix it, right? So I think what's the contribution there is a fundamental awareness by pe- more and more people that the social media is broken. I, you know, I'm, I'm I'm struck by you know Musk and Zuckerberg talking about having a you know, a cage fight over who owns the data. You, it's my data. No, it's my data. I would argue that it's neither of their data. It's your data and my data. That's the point. We need an internet where we own and control our data. We decide who gets to use it for what purpose. And we're not actually at the, at the whim of or the control or manipulation of someone else. So, so the view there from both Jimmy Wells and Frank McCourt is that Something's broken. Something's broken, and a lot of that is uh, to do with users. At the current, the, the concurrent theme is really users not having control of their data anymore. Uh, and um, there's, you know, you can't trust platforms anymore because the moderation's not there. And these are just some of the problems I think that that have been brought up. Uh, interesting that that soundbite from um, Frank McCourt because. He talks a lot about, um, you know, resetting or the next generation. Um, And I I know, well, I'm interested and I'm sure our listeners are into knowing sort of how realistic or how easy is that for that process? How easy is it to reset the Internet? I think it's not easy. I think we all know people who are on current social media platforms, whether it's Facebook, whether it's Instagram, whether it's X, these are these are very much entrenched platforms at this point. I think you've seen challenger social networks come up, the likes of TikTok, for example. But again, it's working on a model of collecting data, algorithms to 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 recommend videos to you so you're stuck longer in the app, et cetera, et cetera. And these are the business models precisely that these companies want to change and i think what what's going to have to happen is they're going to have to bring a, a compelling product to the market why do we use the apps we use is because we think they have some sort of value people are on them we like using them so obviously any kind of new challenger is going to have to come with i think something that is that is pretty uh, attractive to users but secondly also it's going to be an education I think, you know, a lot of people end up using these apps 
but not knowing the extent to which data is being collected, not knowing the extent to how the algorithms are working and, 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 and what their data is being used for. And that education process might be a lot tougher. I think that's going to be more of a difficult part of the equation. But if those things sync up, if you know people understand more, they're more privacy conscious, then some of these more privacy-focused uh, social networks, these alternatives to the likes of X or, or, or Meta's platforms, um, certainly could gain traction. I mean, when we talk about the the, the current business model of the internet, um, you know, obviously it's it's ad funded uh, largely, but there are you know sites which are behind a paywall, uh, and that gives you an element of privacy against your data being used, um, being bombarded with ads. Um, ultimately, when we use the internet, right, most of us we don't pay for it. Uh, at least we don't pay for it with with our own money um, at the point of of at the point of using the internet. But it, realistically, if we are going to move into a one where our data isn't being used, maybe that's something that people will have to have to do. Yeah, I think it's it's partly the the payment side of things, but it's more than that. It's the fundamental way that the internet's designed and, and also the way that these companies operate. And I think that's where it gets interesting now because what people like Jimmy Wales and Frank McCourt are doing is looking into alternatives. And I think it's worth just trying to illuminate them. Now, you know, these are, what I, what I must say is these are very early stage projects. You know, the, the kinks are still being worked out. Exactly how they work are still being worked out too. But Jimmy Wells has launched a, um, very recently and he spoke to us about it, you know, in, in a very rare moment because he's not spoken much about it. But he's he's launched something called the Trust Cafe. Um, and I'm actually just looking as we speak now at, at the website as well. Um, this is his or what he sees as an alternative to X. And when you go on it, there's sort of... Um, some some recommended what they call branches. So these are topics. It could be music, photography. It could be artificial intelligence. It could be U.S. politics or world news. Um, and you can post about them, and people can comment. So it's very uh, Twitter esque. Um, and so you know, on first glance, you wonder, well, what is the? Why would I? Why would I use this? Um, but it's an attempt on their website to say to create user driven news content. Um, or it, that's how it began as an attempt um, to do that. Um, but they pivoted to creating value in the social media space. That's what the website says. And the idea is to almost create somewhat of a trustworthy platform where people can kind of give feedback and you can rate people who post if they're trustworthy, if if what they're saying is not misinformation, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but like I said, I had a chance to talk to Jimmy Wells about it. Uh, and I asked him a little bit more about the project. Uh, you know, really trying to prioritize, uh, you know, content based on its uh, trustworthiness rather than its viral likability and, and so forth. So a very different business model rather than ad supported, it's voluntary membership. Uh, people can pay to be members or you don't have to. Uh, it's probably a terrible business model, but uh, that's the history of my career. Um, and we think the reason we're doing it that way is because if you have the same business model as everybody else, you're driven by the same pressures. Uh, if you have a different business model, you can say, okay, now 
why would people pay for this, right? It's got to be a really quality experience, something that they feel enhances their lives and so forth. The same way people pay for Wikipedia voluntarily. Uh, they donate because they think it's amazing. So what was interesting, I thought, in what he said there was he says it's about trying to prioritize content based on trustworthiness rather than viral likability. Um, and that was, I think, quite quite interesting. Um, and, you know, it could be things like I think you were saying, um, you know, voluntary donations. Uh, but as as he said there, it's got to be a you know, quality experience to get uh, people to don do donate as well. And so he's working on something. It'd be interesting to see how it pans out. Uh, but that's one potential project. Uh, the other one is something Frank McCourt is working on um, through Project Liberty. And what he's trying to do is come at it from, from a technology perspective. And they've got something they call the Decentralized Social Networking Protocol or DSNP. Now, there's there's an open source protocol uh, well, it's supposed to be an open source protocol, i.e. it's not owned by any any one company. Um, and it's supposed to be similar to something called HTTPS, which is really the, the main protocol that underlies the internet that we use. And the idea is, you know, when we use these sort of social media platforms, we have something called a social graph, i.e. that's all of our um, stuff that we like and, and, and view, and that then informs how uh, these social media companies recommend content to us, et cetera, et cetera. The idea with this DSNP is really um, that these social graphs that are created are not actually owned by any single company, um, the data, all that, but actually they're owned by us and we can move that social graph from one network to another. So we're not locked in to, say, Facebook or to uh, X. Right now, when you use those platforms, the data they store on you are proprietary to them. They keep it, they have it. Um, and it's used for them to, to recommend things on their platform. You can't then take that data on, on Facebook and move it over to TikTok or anything like that and then, you know, have them have similar sort of um, recommendations and things like that. We don't own that social graph that's made of us by these networks. And Frank McCourt's project is trying to do that as well. And there's, there's many projects like this at the moment experimenting with that. Sir Tim Berners-Lee the inventor of the of the web has a project called Solid. Um, we spoke to him um, for this podcast a few months back, so you can learn a bit more of that if you're listening. So there are these projects out there um, trying to to attempt to create a new world, something different in the social media sphere. We're, we're this this subject is a debate. Um, so what's the other side of this argument surely there are people saying well there's there's nothing wrong with the internet uh, you don't need to change it and there's also a lot of people invested in the current formation of the internet and how it's set up um so i imagine there there are the same number of or at least some calls against you know this this change oh absolutely i mean this is certainly not ideas that big tech are too keen on um you know they are very much uh, keen on the continued centralized way that these social media platforms are run. Um, you know, they, they will argue things like, well, you know, we could, we could, we can do more privacy controls because they are centralized. Um, you know, we've also seen in terms of politicians looking at things like privacy regulation. And we know in, in Europe, they have the so-called general data protection regulation, um, which is supposed to give users a bit more control over their over their data, the ability to to 
to tell companies to delete their data and these kind of controls as well. So there is that side of it. But clearly there is a growing movement, I think, at this point um, with certain people in, in the tech industry that the, the status quo as it stands is just no good for, for, for you and I. Subscribe to the Squawkbox Europe Express podcast. Join Steve, Karen and myself, Arabile, in unscripted and dynamic debate around the day's top stories with first and exclusive interviews of the best in business and global newsmakers, original points of view and instant analysis of the latest business news and key market themes. Get set for the day ahead. Squawkbox Europe Express podcast, now available on Spotify, Apple Music and Google Podcasts. Let's talk a little bit about AI's involvement in this subject, because as we've talked about in previous episodes, AI it scrubs the internet, scrubs your data, is trained on on the data that they can find, a lot of it your own, um, to to be able to operate. And when we talk about our personal data, our privacy being used, being monetized, um, AI is going to be at the forefront of that, I imagine. So surely this development race that we are in at the moment when it comes to uh, Gen AI, what are people saying about that when we talk about the internet as a whole? Well, that's the flip side of it as well. That's another debate that's been playing, playing out is Gen AI, the development of that, how... It's being done by a handful of companies at this point, um, as we can see. Does that then entrench the power of of the big technology giants? So when you apply that to to some of these social media networks, you know, does AI give these companies more powerful algorithms in terms of being able to suggest things, in terms of being able to harness the data that they collect? This is this is all part of the debate we've been having here at Web Summit, uh, and there were some pretty um, strong words by Meredith Whitaker. She's the president of Signal, an encrypted um, messaging app. And I actually asked her this question uh, as well. D- you know, Does she see the boom in AI uh, entrenching the power in, in big tech companies? I asked her, where does she stand uh, in that debate? I think AI, as we understand it today, is fundamentally a technology that is derivative of centralized corporate power and control. It is built on the concentrated resources that accrued to a handful of large tech corporations, largely based in the U.S. and China, via the surveillance advertising business model, which gave them powerful computational infrastructure and huge amounts of data, large markets from which to pull that data, and the ability to process and structure that data in ways useful for creating these technologies. So right now, there are only a handful of companies with the resources needed to create these large-scale AI models and deploy them at scale. And we need to recognize that this is giving them inordinate power over our lives and institutions, and that we should really be concerned about, again, a handful of corporations driven by profit and shareholder returns making such socially consequential decisions. So she's very much of the, the view uh, also, uh, that actually, yes, Gen AI, the development of this is being done by a handful of companies, and that's part of the problem um, as well. Frank McCourt, again from Project Liberty, has a very similar view. Let's think about it and step back. There's only essentially five companies in, in the United States. I mean, the world is, I'm going to oversimplify, 
the world chooses either Chinese technology or American technology. The Chinese are, uh, people have made it, and, and the governing body and, and, and uh, uh, leadership there has made it very clear. They want autocratic technology, the most powerful version they can, because they have an autocratic governance system. So I would argue autocratic technology is awesome if you're an autocracy. I would also argue that autocratic technology is horrible if you're trying to sustain a democracy where individuals supposedly have rights, right? And so right now, if you focus on the American side of this, there are basically five companies that have all the data. Large language models require massive amounts of data. If we don't make changes here, the game is over. There's only these, these same platforms will prevail and will be the beneficiaries. Sure, people will come and build small things on those big platforms, but it's the big underlying platforms that control this data that will be the winners. But like I said, it is a debate. Um, and there were those who actually think that AI may be a tool that could help smaller startups to disrupt some of the bigger tech companies. Now, one of those is Andrew McAfee, the author of a book called The Geek Way and a principal scientist at MIT in the US. So we spoke to him here on the ground uh, at Web Summit and I asked him if, you know, some of these big tech companies may see disruption from AI. So just take it further, when you talk about obviously the way that tech really has disrupted traditional industries, do you see scope at this point in time in this world of AI then for disruption to come to the tech incumbents to some extent? Absolutely. There, there's no guarantee of, of immortality here. When I was researching the geek way, I, I got to interview all my favorite geeks and I asked them over and over again, are the current big tech companies permanently on top? And they looked at me like I was a moron. They said, wow, that, no, that's just a dumb question. Disruption can happen. Companies can lose their way. Leaders can get overconfident. All the things that bring down companies are, can, are able to bring down today's companies. They're not immune. I think they're just more aware. So he's very much of the view there that AI actually could, could actually be a disruptor for these tech companies. The only big difference is what, where tech companies have perhaps uh, disrupted more traditional industries. Um, these tech companies are more aware of the way they could be disrupted by AI because they're the ones developing some of this stuff as well. So, yeah, some interesting point of views there on this debate. It's one that that certainly uh, is going to continue. My next question was going to be looking at how this all plays out. And whilst this isn't going to be changed overnight, we're not going to have the third generation of the internet you know, tomorrow. In the meantime, either it's going to get worse and some of these issues we've already discussed um, are going to increase or uh, are going to be repeated or big tech are going to realize that their business models that the internet is, is supports in order to, you know, protect that, they're going to need to change. They're going to need to adapt. They're going to need to listen to some of these concerns and make real changes that are going to improve the user experience. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And I think that there's so many different ways this could play out. You know, one is that there is, and this is maybe the least likely, but one is that, you know, everyone sort of realizes or, or feels that, you know what, I'm not happy with the way things are. I'd like alternatives. Uh, and they go seek some alternatives that are being built. The second one, and we, you know, we often veer into this part of topics when we talk about tech is the regulatory front. Are the, are the regulators through legislation coming up in the future forcing these companies to change their business model? Are they forcing and making it harder for them to collect as much data? Is it easier for users to move their data? All of this is part of 
um, the the debate as well. And so, you know, these these are things that could make changes happen when it comes to the way we use social media. There may also just be a better product. You know, there may just also be a better product that comes out that happens to be more privacy focused, that happens to be uh, about letting users control their data. And that and that just kind of wins out as well. Um, there, there's all of those those factors at play. But you are right, Tom. I don't think this debate is going to go anywhere at this point. Well, let's let's see where it goes. But uh, fun fact, I actually interviewed Jimmy Wales at a f- sustainable food event that Jamie Oliver was hosting, the celebrity chef. Um, so that's a bit random. Um, not sh- sure why Jimmy Wales was there, but he's um, he's it's an interesting character. I mean, we didn't talk about this much, but he's currently in a in a bit of a spat with with Elon Musk. Um, have you have you seen anything about this? No. Well, t- t- tell our listeners. So it seemed to um, begin uh, last year, roughly, um, and it was to do with if you remember that something called the Twitter files, um, and this was uh, effectively uh, the set of files Musk claimed. Um, supported the view that the company's prior management handled content moderation in a way that was biased against conservatives. And at the time, this was last year, um, Wikipedia was, uh, Musk alleged that Wikipedia has, and I quote, a non-trivial left-wing bias. And that's because um, at the time, the Wikipedia editors were debating whether to remove the entry around the Twitter files off of Wikipedia. Now, Wikipedia didn't end up doing this, but that sort of began uh, the spat. And then um, recently, um, well, Elon Musk offered Wikipedia a donation of a billion dollars if it changed its name to something quite rude, something I probably can't repeat on the podcast. Um and that that sort of exacerbated the the situation. And so, you know, I did ask Jimmy Wells about this. Um, his, in, you know, you heard the comments at near the top of the show about what he thought about X. Um, but I asked him about this war of words, and his reply was quite funny during that interview. He said, "I mean, he's had a war of words with me. I just ignore him." So I didn't really respond to that. He was referring to Musk's one billion dollar offer for the name change. Um, but that's what's happened so far as well. Um, between Jimmy Wells and, and Elon Musk, yeah, he's he's an interesting man, Jimmy Wells. You know, Wikipedia is an incredibly powerful tool, and and you know, wielded by another proprietor could be quite dangerous. Um, so, yeah, I think he's done a well from the outside. You know, I use or have used Wikipedia a lot, um, and. Yeah, I, I I always though get bombarded with requests for for money from from Jimmy and Wikipedia. So I do. I, I, whilst obviously he was a bit, he sounds like he was offended by Elon Musk's proposal for the billion dollars and the name change. I imagine the billion dollars would have would have been attractive um, because I I you know their business model as well is uh, one that is on the other side of it. You know there aren't any ads on Wikipedia. And you know how do they, how do they make money? Yeah, and and I just don't think he wants Elon's a billion dollars. It seems, but you know something really, um, really sweet happened actually while we we're on the ground. So we just finished this interview with with 
uh, Jimmy. And um, this uh, this sort of young girl came over with, with I think, her, her mum and uh, said to Jimmy, um, thank you so much uh, for Wikipedia. It helped me with my homework loads. Uh, and I'd never seen that before. And that was quite nice, I thought. Sort of, sort of shows you also, you know, as much as we talk about the risks of, of all this technology and the dangers, which is obviously very important and valid conversation, also shows you, you know, technology does, uh, you know, help in some ways too, in many people's lives. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, that's a nice way to finish. And I know, uh, I know you've got uh, to catch a flight, but before we go, it's time for Stat of the Week. Stat of the Week. Uh, 70,236, and that's not the amount of Bifanas I've eaten here in Portugal or Pastel del Nartes I've eaten here in, in Portugal. Uh, uh, okay, it's a, bit of a, it's a bit of a stab in the dark, but the number of attendees at Web Summit this week? Outrageous, Tom. You're right. The number of Nails attendees. <laughs> okay, I'll, bonus point then, bonus point. How many different countries have they come from? Mm, uh, 84. That's a high number, but it's even higher. 153. What? I know. That's incredible. Oh, good on Web Summit, getting a, uh, a f- an international broad church at, at their tech conference. Um all right, fantastic. Well, uh, Arjun, I won't keep you any longer. So, uh, I hope the bag- bags are packed. I'm sure. Well, how many? How many pieces of luggage? Three. There's just lots the, of suits. Just the one piece of luggage. Uh, 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 yeah, just the one piece of luggage. Yeah, this time anyway. Are you sure you're not a multiple outfit change? You know, kind of guy during the day. So what? What I've done is I've got packing down to a T now. You know, because I need obviously. You know, I'm on air. Need a blazer change. You know, for for day two, and you know, wearing different clothes and stuff. I feel like I've got it down to like exactly what I need. Do you do, do you do you have like a like a spare for any accidents that might happen? It depends how sort of I want to live life on the edge for that particular trip. Um, I almost always have a spare shirt because I I find it difficult to eat without dropping something on myself. So that's that's quite that's quite important. But generally with the suit, and I like like this one, I had a suit and then I had like another blazer just for a different color. You know, I like my colorful blazers. Um, and yeah, that was enough. Saw me through, no spillages. Um, so that's a success. Well done. I mean, you could always take a bib with you, couldn't you? Like one of those full body ones they give at like seafood restaurants if there's a lot of like shellfish and things like that. I've considered it. I've considered it. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Well... Uh, I won't keep you any longer. I know you've got to rush, but um, yeah, uh, that's it for this episode. Before you go, listener, please follow and subscribe to the show. And if you have any questions on tech, remember, you can email beyondthevalley at cnbc.com and Arjun and I will attempt to answer them on the pod. Enjoy the rest of your trip and safe travels back, Arjun. Thank you, Tom. See you next week. We'll be back next week for another episode of Beyond the Valley. Goodbye. Beyond the Valley.